Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Lost in the Groove with your host, Mike and Dave. Today, we'll be talking about life, society, as well as we can make things better, start a new day for a better tomorrow. Let's continue with the intro music so we can start today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lost in the Groove. Uh, Today, you have your host, me, Dave, and Mike. Uh, We're going to be talking about understanding the society of immigrants. Mike, do you want to take it away? Sure. What do we got here? So let's begin with America before America. To always picture when immigration comes up in conversation here in the U.S. is as follows. European settlers arriving on the shores of America and meeting indigenous tribes of native. Why is this the image of this so important? Immigration means coming from one place and moving to another place. Same way immigration started in the Americas by English settlers. It's an interesting, you know, thought. We have so much in terms of uh, migration. You know, why do people move in general? Even here in the States, people move around all the time just for what's the purpose, David? Why, why do you think? There's a lot of factors here in the U.S. One very key ingredient to that was in the 1870s uh, was the gold rush. You know, people were moving out to California because of gold. What happened was when a lot of people realized there really wasn't that much gold, just settled in California and started building themselves a community. I mentioned this before. There's always this thing in history where people move for various reasons. There's close availability, but a lot of the times people move to areas that have never been touched for extremely specific reasons, and then it turns into something completely different. It's a mixed question because there really is no real reason why someone moves somewhere. There is a real reason, but it's not like real staple, like, oh, this is a specific, this is like the reason why you do move there. It's usually opportunity, right? You know, exactly. Yeah. Seeking a a new opportunity. And of course, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's no no guarantees of anything. Very interesting enough about all of this is where we kind of go into this period. A lot of Europeans came to the United States in the mid 1800s all the way to the early 1900s. A lot of Europeans, a lot of people from different countries and different places were coming here to the U.S. But. The most famous situation that most people think of immigration here in the United States definitely is Ellis Island. Like one of the examples that they always give where they saw Mother Liberty when the boat was coming into the the shores of the Hudson River. Like I mentioned, most people have heard of Ellis Island, the the immigration staple from the early 1900s. It not only brought millions of immigrants to the U.S. and gave them a new life. Funny thing about all of this is English settlers founded this country. What's this talk of immigration like? It brought people to a land that people who founded it, they they were just like them. You know, that was the whole thing was this whole big staple of immigration. But if you go back at least 100 years before, you see this thing in the United States Before it was the United States, it was the 13 colonies. They were English, Dutch, French settlers, some Spaniard settlers, but they were all immigrants. We kind of like come back to this idea of we praise immigration. The people that founded this nation were from Britain 
and they were British and they spoke British English. Our Declaration of Independence is written in British English. So how does any of this make any sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it must have been quite a sight, though, for, you know, people coming through Ellis Island and seeing the Statue of Liberty. I mean, it's a it was a beacon, but it's a very good point to make, you know, going back to the colonies. Yes, it was English settlers, but then you had many others, too. For sure. Correct. You know, I mean, I'm sure the French were involved. I'm sure the, uh, the Spanish were involved. Uh, I'm sure we had uh, uh, Portuguese people settling. I mean, even back then. That must, uh, must have been so weird because try to picture this. Imagine you have French settlers screaming in French on top of their lungs of the English settlers. And the English settlers are screaming on top of their lungs of the Portuguese settlers. They all three didn't speak the same language, you know. <laughs> It's weird because another thing, which we both know this because I love music, is the Coco Cabana and like the Tropicana clubs that opened up through the United States in the 30s. This idea of we're Americans, right? This proud white America. It was where people were going to these clubs, listening to Latin people, you know, people from Central America, South America, sing in Spanish. They're not white. And they're in a club and rich people are paying money to see this. And it's like, again, going back to this idea, we're proud white America, rich aristocrats spending money, sitting there, listening to immigrants speaking a different language. You, you can't get more interracial than that. But there that was, was pretty the, early on, too. Exactly. You know, and it's I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things where. It's odd, it's strange, but it's normal. Why? Because it's supposed to be. Who says? They say. Who says it? We don't know. That's a, but that is a pretty early on, though. Uh, even through the 1930s, it's incredible what a, what a rich history that's existed. But for sure, a huge gap in the, um, in the, the diversification of people, even for back then, to, um, to have... The, the wealthy wanting to come into these clubs. And you, like you said, pretty odd uh, to be listening to this music, but have no idea what, what is really being said. Don't understand the language, but they paid to be there. You know, if you, you kind of take things back a little further, so we're kind of going towards the 50s at this point. We mentioned this in the last podcast. The 50s was an extremely racist time, especially in the U.S. I listened to a lot of 60s and 50s music, and one thing you notice the most popular music throughout that period were duos. I think one of them was like the Rockettes, Little Eve. There was a few others. These were black singers. They were singing rock and roll and jazz and blues. They made top record charts. You know, you kind of like say to yourself, like, how is this possible? How, how does this make sense? Personally, I think there's a simple answer. It's kind of like behind the curtain. This idea of earlier we were mentioning about how Immigrants found another country and then immigrants are like becoming this big thing and they're so proud of Statue of Liberty. It's not that people don't care. It's not that people like don't appreciate, but it's the influence and power of society that has this effect on people where they'll take anything and say it's okay. This idea of Latin singers singing in these clubs, the reason why it was okay was they said, well, it's exotic new 
bold, you know, art deco, extreme. They kind of like just sugarcoated everything and like kind of just ignored everything else. They're like, yeah, we treat them like crap. We pay them like garbage. They live in slum. Who cares? The white people are happy. They got their Tropicana show, their bongos, and they're having a blast. Why should we care what happens to the people? They can rot and die in the streets. We'll get more Latin people to do the same job they're doing. They did all of this and made excuses for it because why should they care? But like we said in the last podcast, Mike, the people that changed history were not necessarily always white. It was always a mixture of different types of people. Example of this, Desi Arnaz revolutionized television. You know, we have different standards today, but he did revolutionize television. Uh, Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong was from New Orleans. You know, he was black and he was an incredible jazz player. His music, even today, is so memorable. You know, you know whose music Louis Armstrong is. He did kind of revolutionize jazz for as long as we know it. And taking it even a step further, you have all of these people that cared tremendously about the the country that they came for. And they cared tremendously about their family and what they're doing in their lives and moving forward, where they started to see... But they not only had a chance to be better than themselves, but they also had this equal opportunity making things better for others. And it didn't really necessarily matter who they are or who they were or where they came from. They had this feeling inside where they knew that they can push forward. That there was nothing that can stop them, you know, that they were able to keep on going no matter what. And this whole idea of finding this balance and truly getting this grasp of certain aspects are kind of still relevant of what you are mentioning. Um, uh, it, it's rather crazy in the sense that from that point of time, so much of that culture from all these different groups of people influencing um, media and entertainment and having so many people benefit from it, Specifically, I want to say the demographic of white nationals, specifically wealthy. AKK. You know, and watching them, you know, (laughs) watching them enjoy the entertainment, but with such disregard. um, Why should they care? Why should they care? Yeah, why should they care? And it's, uh, you know, I would would bring people's attention to the fact that even today, if we reflect on today, Right. Some of the most important jobs are done by immigrants, jobs that don't, people don't want to do. We're not talking about entertainment anymore. We're not talking about uh, sports or anything of the like. But let's take agriculture as an example. That comes from somewhere. Someone had to do that labor. And if we look at it closely, we can identify what group of you know minorities are engaged in those jobs who are willing to benefit from them. Uh, but we never really have the consideration of uh, who it is right. and how much suffering there is doing that work for the the sake of being able to benefit from it. Um, Think about, think about the most simplest things that people buy and you don't think about this because why should you rice who makes, who is the one that processes all the rice, puts it in that crummy uncle Ben's bag and, (laughs) and sells it to you. Who There, there are people in India as well as other, other countries, I believe in Asia, 
that they are in facilities and they process rice and they make pennies an hour. So we pay $3 for this bag of rice. But do we ever think of how that rice ended up in that grocery store? You ever think about all the people that made nothing, you know, hours upon hours upon hours, just so you can have a bowl of rice? The conditioning. I mean, I guess the same point we can uh, we can bring up with uh, Apple devices, right? I mean, they had to create suicide nets because of the conditions that they those people had to work in in China to manufacture or at least assemble these pieces. But no, we don't want to think about it. Of course not. No. It's fascinating to to make that correlation from let's say six, seven, eight decades ago, and then bringing it back all the way around to present day and realizing, wow, not much has really changed. Yeah. And the um, the hardest thing, and I think the one thing that people, people as a whole, always forget and always will. And the best example of this has to be Puerto Rico. I, I can't think of a better example of something like this. Why? Here you have a country of Americans, Latin Americans, born on American soil. They have their culture. They have American culture. They speak English and they speak Spanish. But we still treat them like a goddamn territory. They're a state just like, a, just like Hawaii and Alaska is a state of the United States. They are no different than the state of California. They're a state like every single one of them. But yet they're treated like a goddamn territory why? I don't know. Puerto Rico doesn't make America enough money. So why should we care? Yeah, from that perspective, yeah, it's a uh, it comes down to just money then. Just like what are you, you know, what are you doing for me? But it has to be more. You know, that's the, the that's the whole thing is where slaves was all about money, but freeing them wasn't because one side was going to lose anyway, and one side did. But we did it anyway. It's not always about money. There isn't always this one solution one basis scenario there is something else behind it but the question is what is it i feel like this is such a great topic too to be talking about you know the the society of immigrants and trying to understand them um and looking at the decades and decades of history realizing that we probably have so much more in common than we think that we do you know, we are the majority of um, this country, but possibly even the, the world, right? Depending on what country you look at, there's so much migration and um, the diversity just continues to expand. Like we talked about in the last podcast, the globalization aspect of it, it's fascinating. You know, try, trying to understand immigrants, really going back to what you said from the beginning of the podcast, like why do people shift around and just everyone's looking for a better opportunity. It's also where the Dharma speaks about where you have this imbalance of you have in front of you two equal objects, the same materials. You know, the greatest example you can give is two spheres made of wood. They're both the same. They're both shaped and molded. The Dharma speaks of where a person can put them both on the scale, but yet they choose which one is heavier based on their own selfish right. You can look at life from one direction where this is how it is and end the discussion. You can be like that person that's like, well, that one's heavier, but they're both the same ball. They're both made out of the same material. It's just he pulled one up higher than the other. So you're believing his trickery. You're allowing him to control you. You have a choice. 
You don't have to be controlled. And it's funny I'm saying this because I remember when they had the elections, I remember people asking, well, you know, you come from an immigrant family. Why aren't, aren't you, are you voting? I'm like, no, you know, an immigrant minority, like, you know, your father came here like you should vote. And I said, what is my vote going to have to make any type of change? It's not. The only way I can make a type of change is simply doing what I can with my own two hands. If I can donate money to someone, that's great. If I can help out somebody that's being attacked because they're a minority, that's great. You got to remember to know your place and you got to remember who's behind the one that's telling you the scale. That's a good perspective. I like to think so. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of... Uh, I know it's a hard topic. I mean, it's uh, how can it be an easy one, you know, especially if we're just reflecting on, on let's say that aspect of being an immigrant and voting. And I mean, we should be voting to improve the quality of life and the quality of our, you know, our nation as a whole, not just basing it on ideologies where it's all people, right? Right. At the end of the day, it's about, it's about people. Uh, but that's not what our votes, our, our votes count towards. You can vote for whatever difference that makes. I mean, we saw the shit show that occurred in this last election. Yeah. And um, a great many intelligent people will say, what, what is it really worth then? If I vote or don't vote? The idea has always been, you know, and I, I can speak for the both of us because we both come from, from immigrants. My dad was also a very strong believer of conservatism. You know, there is a, a, a large majority of minorities that are conservative. And a lot of people don't, ask this question, but why? I think, you know, Mike, if you have any input on this, I think one of the biggest reasons was they had this very like patriotic idea. That's the whole thing with conservatism is, is being very traditional, very patriotic, very civil. And being from all these different kinds of cultures, they found comfort. But the problem is I saw the effect that it had on my dad. Like my dad became a really hardcore Republican. My dad is not white, and I'm not trying to be racist or anything, but most Republicans, especially people that my dad hung around with, they wouldn't accept him if, if their life depended on it. And he never realized this. And you like try to explain it to him, and he just didn't get it. That's the thing. Sometimes people want to fit in because they think that they connect to it, but it's not really real. Yeah, I guess it's a difficult realization, isn't it, for your dad to have gone through all of that did he ever did he ever acknowledge it at some point that he would never be accepted no matter what he did or tried we tried but my dad also had friends you know that were from other middle eastern countries they were also hardcore republicans you know and i i had a friend of my dad's that was close to him and i asked him you know honestly i said you have any idea like where did this thinking process come from and he said that this is what a lot of the times, you know, I'm going to separate. I want to, I really should do this. Republicans are not conservatives and conservatives are not Republicans. There are some really great conservatives out there. There's nothing wrong with conservatism. So I'm sorry for that. I mean, Republicans specifically. The Republicans, they had this thing where for a very long time, they were always hated by minorities for the longest period of time, especially in the 70s. Oh, my God going back to this before there's always this this idea we're having now with with the me too movement and the 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 black movement which again there's nothing wrong with it but you're seeing on how they're using these 
movements to make money and get people into this propaganda and crap beyond belief. So Republicans did the same thing. They wanted to get minorities on their side. So they packed them full of lies and treachery. They let millions of people die in New York City as well as other cities with AIDS because they were from black communities and Hispanic communities and Asian communities and they were gay. So thank God for killing all of them, according to them. So they're not only causing this propaganda and they're causing all of this hate, but they're also causing this this idea of separation to the point where they're making minorities believe in their white supremacy. Why? Because now they have more power. All comes down to this. Like this is, you want to understand the society of minorities? Very simple. You've got this very powerful aristocratic man that wants to take all of his people and control them with one hand. That's understanding the society of minorities. It's control. And it's been like this for God knows how long. Yeah. And I mean, there's different mechanisms of control, you know, like the, there's the information, the ideologies, the financial instruments, uh, inclusion, inclusion or exclusion, you know, so many ways to achieve it. I feel like through the century, we've seen, uh, we've seen so many of these things kind of played out and you can clearly see the, the consolidation of power where, uh, where it ended, you know, where it actually, uh, where that power actually um, led to. And, you know, from my perspective, looking through history and up until present day, you have so much of these cultural differences, but yet we, we have found a way to be somewhat cohesive and at least be able to work with each other. And live among each other. And live among each other, yeah. But then the controlling mechanisms are still there, creating the same oppressive environment for all of us, right? It's, right. I find it so interesting sometimes as I look through, I mean, here in Los Angeles alone, you know, you look through these neighborhoods and you see that though there are people, very all very good people, I'm sure, there's this sense of like, it's me against you and I'm out here just for me, right? The selfishness. Right, I don't know how it is in New York, Let's just say it's L.A. with a little bit more cartel flavor. Let's just put it there. <laughs> as, as I stand back and I observe all of this and I say, man, there's so much of this narrative that um, instilled from such a long period of time ago. And it continues to divide and separate a lot of the just common people. We are the common people. We don't control the conglomerates. We don't control the financial sector in any meaningful way. For us, even in our neighborhoods, to to have such a feeling of uh, or kind of being of selfishness, and I'm just out here for me, and I, you know, I don't care about anyone else. I feel as if it's really, really misguided for our communities, for our society. Yeah. I mean, easily, I'd say the majority is minorities. I guess that's yeah. It's so it's so strange sure. how we use. It's so strange how we use that, those words, right? They they call them minorities and they separate us through all these different right. cultural terminology, cultural or, right? Through the, yeah. the 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 racial differences, but yet we are the majority. And so, right. when we look at the controlling bodies of certain sectors of living, you you got to ask yourself, well, who are those people, right? Are they white nationals? Are they what is their background? I was confronted with something very conflicting. The the other day where I have a business, you know, me and Mike, we, we both work, we both have jobs. I work 
on my small business. I sell apparel uh, with artwork that I make. And there was a notification that came up on Instagram where, you know, if you are a black owned business, you, we can help you like promote and get your business up. I have nothing wrong with that. I think that's incredible. But the thing bothered me was there are other communities that also need support. You know, there's the Asian community here in the United States. There's the Hispanic community here in the United States. There's the Caribbean community here in the United States. There's the Middle Eastern community. There's so many, Mike was saying this earlier, is right. We use these terminologies, minority, majority, but the really minority is the majority. This idea of we're, why isn't this movement all minorities, you know, we've all suffered. Yes, some groups have suffered more than others. That is true. But we've all suffered. And we've all worked together as a team to make a better tomorrow, especially for future generations. And for those who want to see a brighter day where things are better. I say to myself, why is it you have this idea, this, the black movement, which, again, is something that should definitely be taken care of because there are a lot of black Americans that are suffering in this country. They've been through a lot and they've, they've suffered enough. Agree with it 100%. But there needs to be this inclusiveness of everyone, all of this together as a, as a team, as a working effort, tirelessly. There have been so many people working so hard to make things better. And not only to make things better, but to also allow people to have their right. It all comes down to this at the end of the day. You know, again, the topic of this podcast was understanding the society of immigrants, understanding the society, the, the idea of what it is and what it's all about. Minorities is very simple. It's hardworking people, the common people, the hardworking people. They want to do something. They want to create something. They want to be a part of something. We've seen this and we've kind of gone over this and it's so difficult to sit there and wonder to yourself, why has it been so hard? Why has it been to this point? This is how it is. This is what you're being told. And there's nothing else that can change that. And you know what, by the way, it's important to think about this too. Like who stays and who goes after hundreds of years, we are a new step where we accept immigrants wholeheartedly. And I, I would like to believe that will be the case as time goes on. Each and every community and neighborhood across this country, we're very much all united and all want the same thing. You know, seeing the side that has been through so much for too long is unacceptable. And yes, it's true. We don't have to let people get citizenship here. We can do that but it won't benefit anyone anyways. But still, there are rules. I think you said in the last uh, podcast, there are boundaries. We should be respectful right. of boundaries. Uh, I think you said it too earlier. It's important to note, you know, we have people that are already here. Would it make sense to be just to send them back to, you know, their country of origin when all they really know is American culture. Like take me, for example, or take you, for example. Right. Right. All we know is American culture to crime was committed. And they're like, well, you know, sorry, but you broke the law. And so we got to send you back to Syria. Probably die. Let's be real about that. Yeah. And the, would... the truth also is, it's like <laughs> same thing with me. Like if I was sent back to Morocco, I do speak somewhat Arabic, but I've never lived there before in my life. I've never even been there. I, I wouldn't know what to do. 
the most important tip, and you said this earlier, was the majority is the minority and the minority is the majority. There is no equal. There is no balance. But there's no division or separation. There's only boundaries and principles that need to be aligned. Understanding the society of immigrants is simple. It's understanding that we as a people, that we live in a country, have this, and it's not a problem. It's normal. This is how countries are formed. This one's newer. We just have to see yeah. how time passes. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's an excellent point to make, though. It's just how countries are developed over a period of time. Going back to earlier in the podcast, like you said, you know, this the British had come here, colonized a continent that was already inhabited, right, by natives. In a lot of ways, even during that period of time, there are many people who had settled from all over the all over the world, all over developing countries in Europe. So we all came from somewhere. And it's important to remember that when considering how we understand the society of immigrants. Technically, we all are. Any way you break it down, technically, we... We just want to say thank you to all the people that are listening to Lost in the Groove and enjoying these groovy podcasts. Always, uh, we make sure to post every single Tuesday with something cool, something fun, something educational. Stay tuned, guys. Thank you so much for listening. See you in the next one.